Hello, and welcome to Factor Man Podcast, Episode 1. This has been recorded far, far in the future, where the podcast turns out to be the most successful show ever made, outstripping actual entertaining programming in a dystopian world where gaming news and commentary podcasts have really just taken over. And uh, here's just a quick heads up to all the new droves of brand new listeners of the show. The audio in this first episode is a little rough, and if you're one of those uh, brain-wormy listeners who has to go to the very start of a show to, to start piecing together why the hell you enjoy it or not, maybe skip this episode and go to the next episode, uh, where the quality is a bit better. Uh, and I also think it's it's generally a good a, a better example of what the show is like as well, you know, in, in its modern iteration. So I would I would skip this one for the meantime. And then if you enjoy episode two and you want to put up with a little uh, little time travel yourself, just like myself, uh, jump on back, listen to this episode. There's some really good stuff in here, and uh, there's also you know the beginnings, the origins of old memes. Uh, that uh, are still going in the show to this day. So you, you, if you're one of those, I don't know, wiki editors that we've accrued over the years, yeah, you're gonna, you're, you'll, you'll want to go back. But everybody else, you, feel free to skip. Also, of course, you could be the kind of listener who just wants to listen to gaming news. So I would say in your case, don't even worry about episode two. Go straight to the latest episode because that will be, you know, more relevant to you. you you'll, the news will be at least somewhat relevant that week and and won't be months if not years old by the time you're listening to it otherwise if all those things interest you bad audio and outdated news stay tuned to episode one of factor man podcast back-to-back sevens What do you want to? What do you want to start with? Do you have a? Do you have a preference? I suppose in the the traditional approach would be the start with the follow up. The follow up to the episode that doesn't exist. Exactly. All right. Okay. Uh, well, Lawrence, what would you like to? <laughs> what would you like to to bring to the audience's attention regarding episode zero? Well, there's a few things. One is uh, orphaned origins for what we're supposed to be running gags that I suspect may not work out now, like crystal lizards, although you seem pretty determined to let that just dangle in the wind as far as a running gag is concerned anyway. No one's going to know what we're talking about when we say crystal lizards, and when we try to explain it to them, they're going to be even more confused. The whole thing, uh, the whole thing with the crystal lizard thing, is that it's 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 now already becoming a part of of like normal speech for me. Oh my god, I was about to launch into into another episode zero meme, which was uh, Maria, my wife, my wife Maria. I was fully intending on continuing that because it's amusing no matter what. <laughs> I've already um, started using crystal lizards in conversation with the people around me. So it's kind of it's a meme I'm that's sure kind of all very impressed with that. Yeah, no, I, yeah, because then I have to sit them down, much like I probably will have to do with the podcast at some point, and and explain myself as to as to what it is. Or should we just leave it open? I think we should leave it open and let people guess. So uh, I, I suppose uh, another bit of follow up. We assigned each other homework last year. Or sorry, last week. Sorry, 
And uh, you, your homework that you assigned to me, and by extension the audience that never received it, was um, you should just workshop some ideas for a, uh, a gripping system. Yeah, I, I, should, I, should may, I should maybe preface a little bit of, of your homework. Uh, the idea was that I, we were we were discussing after I was playing Shadow of the Colossus. I suggested that I wish that more games had gripping mechanics or used uh, something akin to the, the sort of grabbing and holding meter in Shadow of the Colossus. It's something that we haven't we've seen kind of streamlined a bit in, in games like Breath of the Wild. And I came up with a couple of, uh, of ideas of games that could really use like a hold on mechanic. Uh, and that's where the homework came from. Well, uh, I sort of connected two dots in my brain from that conversation, which was the homework and Shadow of the Colossus. And uh, it formed a beautiful baby of, oh, hanging off of a horse or a vehicle in a first-person game, particularly in as it pertains to VR. That would be a very nice idea. Okay, so I mean, like, you, you, you're kind of... The actual gameplay is about sort of managing being on a horse and things like bumps in the road could knock you off like mm -hmm. like uh stamina bars uh, i'm not sure if that's the most elegant way to put it but uh, uh -huh. if it, i'm sort of thinking of the idea of in a metal gear solid 5 sort of way using the horse's cover not bullet cover but like you know line line of sight cover sure mm -hmm. and uh, it could apply to hanging out of a, a car as well if you're in some kind of like uh, shootout, for instance, I think the um, there is is it called London Heist does have yes. something like that. That's for yes. PSVR, a very underdeveloped version of the idea. You know, yeah, less mm -hmm. developed than this uh, half-assed <laughs> yeah, game that I put into it. Yeah. I, yeah, actually, I can see it a little bit. It's kind of like um, I can see not needing the meter because, say, if I don't know part of the the challenge was that you were engaged in combat on this horse mm -hmm. uh you know you've got your gun in your holster there there are people around you you need to maybe reload you got to do all this shit with like one hand on your horse and one hand on your gun you know you got to manage all the, all the reloads and stuff while making sure you don't actually fall off the fucking horse and there's bumps in the roads and sort of factors that kind of ensure that you need to kind of definitely hold on to the horse the entire time i'm um, a horse in particular you always have you always have to worry about steering the damn thing mm. yeah i guess you could tug on the rein to change its direction or would you have it an on rails experience uh i suppose the you know the easy way out is to say the on rails experience but uh if you're if it's a vr situation like you've also got i'm sorry not i think about it this is getting a little weird now like your legs are also like mounting the horse so well you're like, not you're not you're I, assumedly you're not playing in like the fucking connect <laughs> yeah we haven't exactly hit you know the you know we've got pretty good hand controllers now but uh yeah. no mm -hmm. leg controllers just yet unless you can count those insane like walking harnesses that you might see in like conventions yeah maybe you could steer the horse by shifting your shoulders or tilting your head in any case uh i wanted to say that stamina bars could never work in vr because it's like visual well yeah well yeah it. you would get that well sort of dissonance as you continue gripping something while the game tells you hey you're no longer gripping that <laughs> i'm uh, i'm trying to i'm trying to shoot this guy over the the shoulders of my horse but i can't see him because there's this big stupid bar in the way that's obscuring my vision you know <laughs> 
Well, that's that was a good idea. Well, good um, good job uh, following up on your homework. Uh, I also followed up on the homework that you gave me, which was to uh, watch the short films for the Warhammer, the the fan made films for the Warhammer. Mm-hmm. My homework, which was really just an excuse for me to gush about a really cool video that I saw. Mm. Yeah, and mercifully, it was very short homework, so I appreciate that. Uh, the, the series is called Astartes for... I, oh, I believe that's how you say it anyway. Uh, yeah. Astartes uh, for anybody looking to to watch it. And I'll put a link in the description. Uh, and I, I had no idea what the fuck is going on because I don't know anything about Warhammer, but it was very pretty. It was very pretty. That was all made by one guy. The guy that made it has very deliberately chosen an antagonistic force that is not well known even to people like me who are versed in the lore. So don't worry, you're safe. It's not a lot of, oh, I know what this is, I know what this is, that's fine, that's fine. Hey, Lee, look at this. It's not not reveling in the the famous iconography of the Warhammer 1066 series. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay, there's another one now. You've you've done it again. You've- yeah, I was hoping to just keep keep up the 1066 thing, uh, which is uh, what I assumed the order. I, I still don't remember it. Is it 1866? I think it's 1886. Okay, sure. <laughs> anyway, it's the order 1066, and any game that has a a, a full decade in its name is is 100% now being referred to as 1066 by me because uh it's the only one it's the only number i can uh for sure remember but what i liked about uh, the the warhammer dudes in this depiction is that they they clicked along they were quite speedy and swift and uh the, all this armor they clearly just sort of rests upon them like it would rest upon a normal person even though it it looks like the fucking brotherhood of steel um it's good. I mean, anything else from uh, from episode zero? The the main thing that we did cover was the PlayStation Five reveal, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which we had watched. We had went painstakingly through every game on, on that was revealed and, ha- and gave a short burst of opinions. Uh, anything you want to salvage in in follow up? Uh, it occurred to me, you know, when we were busy, weren't busy cracking wise about the the shape of the damn thing and all the the games for it that we're not terribly interested in and just wanted to get onto the meaty stuff that we never actually uh, speculated on the the price of the thing, which seems to be a sticking point for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, conversation in the week following has been nothing but what the fuck does this thing cost? Uh, like the, the the crazy one, like the upper limit one that I think is outrageous, was six hundred pounds, and I'm like, no way, it's not going to be six hundred pounds. You don't like, think? I, I... No, I understand that this is supposed to be like a high end, like machine, like it's a gaming machine, but six hundred pounds is beyond the pale. No one, especially in like the like the this quasi economic depression that we're in right now, is going yeah, to buy I mean, a six hundred. If, if there ever could be a worse time to unveil your six hundred pound fucking console, this would be it. Now, the PS3, that was quite expensive when it came out. That was roughly, what, what, 300 That was, was That was 599 wasn't it? Oh, was it? I always thought it was like somewhere in like the, the, the 400 range. Let me look at the original price. It was indeed 599 99 in uh, America. It was £425 here. I think it's going to be of a comparable price, you know, adjusted for inflation to the, the PS3. I reckon. Yeah. Okay. So you're. Uh, so yes, you draw the line at six hundred pounds sterling, but uh, six hundred dollars, you're you're kind of more inclined to believe. Yeah, that sounds about right. I reckon. Mm-hmm. 
Also, uh, it wasn't immediately clear from the uh, the demonstration, but this thing is big. I've been told that it is both wider and taller than the PS3 is, like the original <laughs> PS3, the fat version. Uh huh. And that uh, supposedly the fans are meant to be omnidirectional, so that's the you know because of all the guts in it, all that that pure gaming power, the gaming speed. <laughs> Do you think this is a um, this is going to be a little more like um, Xbox One kind of size, or are we looking at like essentially a small fucking tar PC? Well, I have a PS3 uh, within line of sight here, and if it's going to be taller and wider than that, it's like that's big, dude. That's really big. <laughs> I mean, I, I joked last week because of the you know the shape of it that it was like the final level to a Mirror's Edge game. But, like, if it's going to be that You didn't big, think it was going to be a fucking plays hat. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it was going to be a fucking skyscraper. <laughs> so I figure we can talk about our week. You mean, like, the stuff we played in the week? Uh, or watched. Yes, I have a... Uh, uh, mine will go on for a little bit. Almost a feature. <laughs> Oh, well, that's fine by me, because uh, mine was relatively brief. I mean, I started playing The Last of Us 1, although I haven't had to be able to sink too much time into it. Uh, you know, I was real worried. This is a zombie game. Uh, it's a zombie game set in the post-apocalypse. No, and worse than that, the, the opening the opening sort of couple of hours are a very, very slow experience, too. So like, well, it lets you drink in that grim dark. I don't <laughs> mind the slowness. I feel like the, the Last of Us, in my mind, had been entirely tainted by The Walking Dead. Because The Walking Dead basically is everything that I dislike about zombie stories. I take it, I take it by The Walking Dead, you're talking about either the, the sort of expanded story itself and not like specifically Telltale's Walking Dead. Yeah, I mean the whole thing in general. Yeah, okay, okay, because Telltale's Walking Dead. Pretty good. Actually, warrants existing. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, oh, the, the virus has been spread because a bunch of stupid people behaved in a way, well, you know, a year ago I would have said a bunch of stupid people behaved in a way that nobody in real life would possibly. Oh, yeah. But if, you know, if anything, the last three months have told us is that yeah, we've uh, we've learned a lot of new things about each other and ourselves. <laughs> Perhaps I've been too hard on this genre. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe it was actually trying to say something very immediately relevant to our generation. Well, uh, in any case, I was pleasantly surprised that uh, I didn't find The Last of Us so far, anyway, to be particular. Well, it's grim and it's dark, but it's not grim dark. Grim dark is, in my opinion, where it starts to become insufferable, which is a uh, Something that I suspect may uh, seek a little into later in our conversation about uh, The Last of Us 2, which I hope to bring up at some point, and uh, the way that it's being portrayed in the, the blogosphere. Yeah, I mean, definitely from media portrayal, which is, which is something you can't really go on, at least. Mm -hmm. it, it gives me reasons to pause, which, to be fair, is not something that carries on from the, from the first game, in my opinion. No, the first the first one's kind of a it's had a nice balance, I find. Yeah, exactly. There's there is a lot of cute moments in it, and there's the characters have a, the at least the main characters. There are moments of levity throughout that kind of offset the uh, you know overall nightmare scenario of the thing. Plus, it, it's quite like 
beautifully set you know like it's it's like a beautiful apocalypse it is very pretty i will give it that and you know i mean uh it's got what is in my opinion the best kind of dialogue which is you know something sad happens and joel just goes mm, yep <laughs> the understated yeah it skipped all the the unpleasantness which is like, oh no, society's collapsing because people don't know how to react. You know, there's power grabbing going on behind the scenes. Mm. And it just skips directly to, listen, I'm tired. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to get through the day. Yeah, I've been living this for with. so long. It's a job. It's literally, like at the start of the game, it is literally his job to live, to just ferry people back and forth in that place. Like he, he's already settled with the life. Uh, you know what? I just really like protagonists that are just tired. Joel is cool. Uh, Adam Jensen, he's pretty tired. Like, you know, he's like going up and seeing some conspiracies. Yeah. Corporate types being really immoral. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever, dude. I'm just uh, like, uh, I've been told that Geralt, or sorry, Geralt, or whoever the fuck you pronounce his name from The Witcher is also like that, where it's like, I'm just here to do a job, man. Just yeah, yeah. So he's very, very straightforward. A little cutting, a little. He's got, he's got some wit about him. Do you feel we'll, we'll, we'll ever approach a sort of need for spoilers on a future episode? To... I'll, I'll have a bit more to say once I've actually completed it, and then we can sort of make a decision. Then I reckon. Mm. All right. Very cool. Yeah, it seems both our, uh, our weeks have taken us to uh, 2013. Is that when Last of Us came out? Yes, 2013. Well, we'll. You can tell us all about it when uh, I'm done doing my week because uh, there were a couple of <gasps> things I did. Shit. That's right. <laughs> all right, cool. What else you got? I guess this does technically count as follow up from last week, but uh, I've been resumed playing Hyperlight Drifter. Okay, yeah. So for the uh, absolute audience of Zero that heard um, episode Zero, we talked about um, what the, what the hell did you call the new game? It's uh, the new game by the people who made Hyperlight Drifter. That's yes, thing. that's so true. And it's called Solar Ash. Oh, that is quite a cool name. I probably should have remembered that. Yeah, really you cool. will when you like associate it with actually playing it. One thing I forgot about Hyperlight Drifter, or not that I forgot, but I had uh, underestimated coming back to it. In addition to being dialogue, no, there being no dialogue and being a very minimalist story, it also has a very minimalist approach to text in interfaces as well. So I was like, ah, yes, what the fuck was I doing? What do you mean text and interfaces? What, like, just... I mean, uh, aside from me the menu, uh -huh. and, uh, the occasional like one-sentence-long tutorial prompt, there are, there's no text in that game. It's all uh, contextual clues based on images and audio cues, and that's it. Okay, and by audio cues, you mean like it, there's no actual voice dialogue in this. There's no. a Hyperlife Drifter is a game I haven't actually played yet, so I'm, I'm piecing together. But I had assumed that uh, much like the the usual uh, polished and and well regarded indie dross, <laughs> that's the wrong word, but I'm using them. Uh, yeah, they didn't make the um, the, the same mistake as that we're making right now. No, the, <laughs> the uh, what do you call the fucking Sonic fan game? That, that oh, yes, uh, Freedom Planet. How Freedom dare Planet. you? How dare you, sir? 
the deviant art quality uh, production value to that game is part of its charm. It's one of the most endearing things uh, about it. It's, it's endearing, yes, in a sort of maybe. Maybe it's because we uh, we we in our time have come from similar places on the internet. We've done our time. Yeah, we've done our earnestness, uh, the, our, our our earnest years, and uh, the blunder years, <laughs> which is. To be clear, have been wiped well clear of the internet. We have established. I went back. I looked in the Wayback Machine. It's oh, there's like a few archive pages of some forum posts. But aside from that, in any case, Hyperlight Drifter. Yes. I forgot how good that game is. It is a very good game. Good. It feels really good. It looks and sounds fantastic. It's a. Uh, it's the comp. The soundtrack is composed by the same people who did Fez. Oh, well, there you go. Which uh, you can tell right away. It also has uh, another element borrowed from Fez, which is that, hey, did you complete all the secrets and beat all the bosses? Great job. Now go back and find all the uber secrets. The secret oh, secrets. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. That is something I actually liked about Fez. It's not something that I, you know, pursued to the absolute degree. I think it's likely that I will die before I have finished Fez. But, yeah. you know, I intend to give the old college try at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking for... I actually will probably get around to Hyperlight Drifter. I believe it was included in our 10,000 games for racial equality mm-hmm. package oh. on itch.io. So, uh, on that point, in addition to the itch.io one, there is a Humble Bundle one as well that is out right now that you could avail of. Uh, yes, 100%. The, the Humble Bundle, I mean, I'm sure they don't... They, they're not going to use a unestablished podcast to pull in the big numbers. But if you've got uh, 30, 30 pounds, 30 dollars, somewhere around that ballpark, and you want to get like 100 actually good games or somewhere in that, oh man, that sounds terrible. I mean, higher quality, I mean, higher. Way budget- to throw itch.io just right under the bus, early. Uh, higher budgeted games, you, you can get, you can get a, a, a good amount and also raise money for a really good cause which is racial equality i'm sure there's more details than that i'm sure Mm -hmm. it gets more specific than raising money for racial equality (laughs) i mean i'm sure there's specific charities that they're backing and you can find out more at (laughs) humblebundle.com in any case hyperlight drifter it's very good i'm going to finish it if not tonight then very easily by the time uh, we record the next episode uh or well i i will have a quote-unquote finished it there's probably going to be another layer of like even more convoluted bull- bullshit that I'll need to do in order to properly finish it. But uh, yeah, that's a good game right there. Right, and and by next episode we will decide whether finished games mentioned in the week before goes in follow up or goes in played this week. <laughs> I'm sure we will be perfectly consistent every time. One hundred percent. Anything else for follow up? Oh, no, uh, sorry. Anything else for this week? Uh. No, I think that's about it. Awesome. Well, for me this week, I've been playing Bioshock Infinite, uh, which ties in to two two things you've mentioned thus far. One is a game, the game you've been playing, Last of Us, coming out in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, uh, that's a that's a neat little coincidence. Uh, the other one is um, you were talking about protagonists who uh, are kind of a little uh, world wary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and get that across with a lot of mm-hmmms in conversation. In fact, I believe that was one thing that uh, Yatsi Kusha, our 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 uh, the the guy that we both our like. mutual friend. <laughs> yeah, let's go for that. <laughs> that was one of the things he actually criticized it for was uh, the main character of Bioshock Infinite, uh, Booker Dewitt, 
does quite a bit of hums and mmms and <laughs> and nudges his way through conversations, which of course didn't fucking matter to me, but would would to him. Uh, did have you ever played Bioshock Infinite? No, but it's been on the to do list for some time. Yeah, the, likewise. Uh, I have actually given it a, a go before, and, I, and just to be clear to anyone who hasn't played it, uh, I'm not going to be spoiling a thing. I just wanted. To, I, I felt like I was in this in these post crystal lizard chasing days. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the victims that uh, I realized it was time to rectify was Bioshock Infinite because I had started to play it on the PS3 back at the time. It ran like shit on PS3 as well, so that was one another reason why I uh, why I never really gave it much of a shot. But also, I was crawling around corners trying to get every trophy and achievement possible. To a point, I don't know what I was thinking. I maybe didn't read the trophies. But I felt I, this isn't a spoiler. This is something that happens like in the first right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't tie into anything really. Uh, but there's a moment where you have to make a decision about chastising people because of their race mm-hmm. at the very start of the game, and it's kind of like the first time the game really opens up about how fucking dark this place is, uh, Colombia. It turns out that I've, I believe anyway that no matter what choice you make, it doesn't matter. But at the time, that was the part where I kind of checked out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you have no choice but to be a bad person. Another theme that I suspect will be coming up later on in our discussion about The Last of Us 2. Uh, yeah, I'm sure when we get, get to that. <laughs> but I, I also realized, and it's led me down a sort of rabbit hole, that uh, Bioshock Infinite was a game that I was biased against from the start, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Because it wasn't Bioshock? No, actually, because that I I had no problem with that specifically. Like I I really loved Bioshock, but I I think I didn't love it to such a degree that I was I was sort of adamant that uh, that the fucking same creators couldn't also iterate on their own ideas and world. I was a little skeptical about Bioshock too, and I haven't played it yet. I might even give Bioshock two a go. That's one you've given a go, haven't you? Yes, and uh, it is good. There's merit to it. See, most people don't even won't even go as far as to say it's good. So, I mean, that's good. That's that's a positive for me to hear. It is. It is unabashedly derivative. <clears throat> yeah, of course. But uh, it it is good for what it is. Yeah, it's the most least valuable sentence I've possibly said for some time. It's good for <laughs> what it is. Uh, let me put it like this: You can tell that it like it's a it's such a sequel because like there's bits of escalation. It's like formulaic sequel. It's like, oh, we need to put some escalation in here over the, 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 the first one. And we, our villain is going to be like a real contrast to the villain of the first game. And these enemies are going oh, to be yeah, a contrast. Yeah. It's, the, it's the, the Lion King 2 Simba's pride of, uh, of, of video games. <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering how much of our audience we've alienated with that comparison. Myself, <laughs> because I haven't even seen that shit. You haven't seen Lion King 2, Simba's Pride? I know, right? How couldn't I have? You know you know what's actually... Fa- this is, of course, a tangent, but you know what's actually fascinating about Lion King 2, Simba's Pride? Tell me, Lee. Uh, the, the Broadway and West End show of The Lion King actually uses tracks from Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. That's a fascinating piece of trivia, Lee. Yes. Anyway. Yes, the first one was really, really good. Yes. And you sit down and you're going to write a sequel. And like all the real obvious p- 
paths and solutions that you could take if you're writing a sequel to Bioshock were taken during the writing of this one, which is like, hmm, okay. Would you say well, it's the Little Mermaid 2 of Bioshock games? That's a film that I actually have seen, but it was so long ago that I don't remember anything about it. Uh, all I remember from a, uh, a Lindsay Ellis video was, uh, was Sebastian screaming, Oh no, it's Ursula's crazy sister! That's... It's not that bad. It doesn't get that bad. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it's sort of like, hey, Andrew Ryan, he's like an objectivist, right? Well, how about this, right? I've got a great idea. How about we make the villain to this game like some kind of like collectivist? How about that? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Oh, Write that down. That's a different take. Bioshock, but different. Yeah, it's it's literally, hey, it's the same, but different. <laughs> well, and I sure enough, they put thought into making it different, but like it's it takes a very obvious direction. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. Bioshock Infinite. Yes. Infinite derivative. I can at least say that. If anything, okay, well, okay, I'll qualify it a little bit. The gameplay is derivative of Bioshock, mm-hmm. but the but the narrative isn't. Uh, it's it takes a whole different tact. I want to I want to sort of step into this bias I had against Bioshock Infinite that uh, that kept me from playing the game because it actually it, it dawned on me while playing it this time that I was still holding on to something there and I wanted to understand it a little bit and so I did a bit of digging to try and ration to myself why the hell I was so against Bioshock Infinite or I had some ill will towards it as a, as a, as a thing that existed. Uh, to be clear, just off the bat, I don't know if I've said this yet, but Bioshock Infinite's a really fucking good game. <laughs> like, yeah, really, I got that really, really good. Bioshock Infinite is a game that very, very much warrants, if not playing for the first time from listeners, it definitely, if you've played it before, in the context of 2013, the crazy end of a generation years, uh, you should revisit because now that you can get your fucking head out of the, the madness of, of you were about to say it, weren't days. you? Were you about to say head out of the clouds? <laughs> oh no! For just a moment, I thought you were going to say it, and I was like, "Is he? Is he going to go for the?" I thought that you deliberately swerved at the last minute. <sighs> this all this will all tie in together, and I'm going to link a bunch of articles to our audience. That uh, the, that sort of ties into this, into the, where I'm getting at with this. But uh, back in the day, I basically only had one news source for the video game industry, and that was Kotaku. Kotaku, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, the reason why is because I only knew of maybe two others, and that was at the time, and that was IGN and Gamespot. And to be fair, Gamespot is actually still very useful in terms of news. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they're quite clean and straightforward in that in that regard. IGN, I <laughs> not that I bear it ill will. It's IGN's kind of adorable to still have in this world, mm. which is uh, foreshadowing once more for something we will be talking about later regarding The Last of Us Two. Man, so much foreshadowing this episode. So, oh yeah, I've, I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about it. So with only one source. Uh, to to get your uh, your video game industry news from, you can imagine that it's it's going to be a little skewed, especially one as awful as Kotaku. <laughs> yeah, uh, which you know, in the day, 
I I didn't see because um no frame of reference. Don't worry. Yeah, we're all friends here. You, it's all right. No, I mean to be to be clear, I still follow Kotaku. I'm I'm still checking in because uh, sometimes sometimes the articles are good. Just if I can give any advice to anyone, never have just one website to check in on. <laughs> and especially especially don't make it Kotaku. But I, I did like their uh, informal style. That was that that was genuinely appealing to me. Uh and still kinda works these days. There are uh, but now that we live fully entrenched in Twitter and so on, you can get that anywhere. <laughs> anyway, when I was in the thick of these days, it was around twenty thirteen. And that just so happens to line up with Bioshock Infinite. And I had to do some digging. I, I, because in the back of my head, I remembered one thing that I was holding against Bioshock Infinite. And that's that its box art uh, was was really fucking dull. Oh, the Booker D. Wet versus the Elizabeth box art debacle? Uh, you know, like I wouldn't even say it so much in those terms. And this is this for our audience. This is one of our... Uh, one of the articles that I'll be that I'll be referencing. A lot of box art at the time had the same motif of dude with gun on cover. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad those days are over. <laughs> yes, sarcasm duly noted. Um, but it was a little more overbearing at the time, I believe. Uh, maybe, maybe I, I, yeah, I don't notice it so much because I, I, I don't buy boxed games as much anymore. Uh, and you know, I've been playing shit like Devil May Cry, where it's now got three dudes with swords instead of guns. You know, it really mixes things up. And we've come so far. Yeah, and Last of Us too. It doesn't even have a gun; just a big zoomed-in vase, I believe. Just an angry person. <laughs> That's a mission statement, if ever there was one. Mm-hmm. I hope you weren't intending to find this game fun at any point. <laughs> yeah, you're already, you're already being judged for playing it. But yeah, at the time, you know, and especially in 2013, we were uh, the, we were right in the thick of the Call of Duty Battlefield Spunkargle Wee Wee days. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, at the same time, there was also a bunch of well, Last of Us actually does qualify, the, and also uh, like Uncharted and all was coming out at the same time. Most of these games with guys on guns looking sort of off to the distance. Uh, and there was an article at the time in Kotaku. That I that I had to Google to to, refi- to to find, and it was by Owen Good, and just to just to call out, <laughs> I'm gonna call yeah, out everyone. It was you, you who poisoned my mind. Yeah, uh, who wrote Bioshock Infinite's cover is terrible, and yes, that is a problem. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you can such a game journalist title. <laughs> it really, really is these these opinion pieces. I was starting. You know, you're in that infancy of getting, uh, starting to form like uh, an ad- identity, I suppose, of of the things you like, and therefore you must have opinions and thus hold opinions and argue opinions. And I don't believe I argued these opinions ever, but I started to hold them at least. Uh, and I realized that these were all circulating from this website because I then looked into four further articles about Bioshock Infinite, all of which will be linked below, and uh, all of which subconsciously... Like, a nice bit of confirmation bias. I had just taken these in and held them against Bioshock Infinite. Uh, uh, maybe without even really knowing, because a lot of these, I, uh, I only on a second read did I realize, oh, I did think that. Mm. 
which is very concerning. And uh, if I were to make a moral from all this, don't get riled up in hot takes. I'm, I, I, you know, already I can remember these things being, these are bad takes, ill-informed takes. But uh, yeah, here's just a couple of the articles. I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna click them to get them open. <laughs> I, I could link them to you if you want, but I, I would imagine yeah. you don't want to have to see any of this. <laughs> no, I don't. What I want, Lee, what the ideal way for me to experience these articles are, is for you to say their titles to me and for me to scoff in a condescending manner. <laughs> then I am happy to oblige. So I've actually, so I've rated these. I've given them a scale of good, bad, and meh. What, on like a scale of insufferability? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, there was that first one by Own Good, and to be fair, that's it was a bad take. A very, very bad take. Um, but on the good side of things, if, I, if we were to counterpoint it from Kotaku, there is one here from Tina Amini uh, called The Real Problem with Bad Shock Infinite's Box Art, Poor Trigger Finger Discipline. And it's kind of jokey. Mm, and yeah, interacts her own colleague a little bit about like you know what, not that she disagrees with the whole fucking thing entirely, but more that she was pointing out that there was an actual trend at the time of people really actually holding guns wrong in cover art. Even I'm looking down at I can see Call of Duty Black Ops too. No, that's because I can get behind uh, uh, XCOM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was a thing, and uh, that that was a pretty good article actually when I was reading it. Another good one, yes, was called At Least There's a Good Reason I'm Sick of Hearing About Bioshock Infinite. And this one was actually really useful for understanding what had happened here. Because Luke Plunkett actually wrote up about the same thing that happened to me at the time and explains what happened with Bioshock Infinite, which was it was on, I believe, a very early announcement that led to a very, very overly gestated PR circuit. Yes, I know. I know the the video in question that you're referring to, like the early uh, uh, tone setting trailer that showed you uh, yeah. through Columbia. I remember that video, and I remember it being very, very cool, and I remember being very disappointed that the end product didn't turn out like that promise because it was a lot tonally more similar to Bioshock One. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's that's a good article. I recommend uh, because it goes into a little bit about. What a mistake it was to announce this so early, and even Ken Levine saying he didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken Levine, by the way, it's not mentioned in that article, but I remember distinctly being a problem. It's not mentioned in any of these articles, I believe, but Ken Levine is a bit of a problem himself because the man loves to talk. Uh huh. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And I distinctly recall this about him. There were just a lot of fucking. Ken Levine every week updating us about the game in that kind of way, and he's just like and adding new expectations onto new expectations, and you're just like, come oh, on, man, step away, let 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 people imagine this themselves. Uh, and I, it's it's not explicitly mentioned in a lot of this stuff, but I definitely remember it being a factor. It's like, man, that guy needs to shut the fuck up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me make my own mind up about this. On the meh side of the scale, we have a Kirk Hamilton article, and it's called. The problem with Bioshock Infinite's combat—it it, it talks about the the auto healing mechanic in the game, mm-hmm. uh, which was a which was a bigger trend of the day, and uh, it talks about how the sort of routine of the game and how you get overcrowded by enemies generally uh, can make for a kind of dis disinteresting combat scenario, 
Uh, and he quotes Jonathan Blow as his main source on sort of agreeing with him, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting read. Uh, I would say that it's not entirely fair. I think the game does a like it it does a good job of when you're swarmed by enemies, you do kind of panic a little bit and that healing allows you to risk jumping out of cover and sort of making crazy plays now and then, uh, but not overextending and then having your actual health deplete, you know. So it does it does encourage you to poke out and not play too safe. I find that the the, the best version of this i think at least uh, the simple version is the halo system where you've got a shield and then health uh, the shield will recharge the health won't and uh, when your shield is depleted you take damage from health yeah that's that is the system that is the system i'm describing yeah that's a good way of doing about it because you can always just wait for the shield to come back and then you're free to pop your head out to take some pot shots or make a dash for it yeah exactly and i i think you people can be a little too hard and fast about like you can only have health packs at the time yeah it was probably very prevalent and uh you know maybe insufferable because there was no alternative and it seemed like that's the you know that was where gaming was going and it wasn't coming back uh but now we live in the future and the future has a load of games that like don't have that system at all they just have straight up health packs and uh both are good in my eyes i i liked it in, in bioshock infinite Anyway, also, I have a really bad take. This is also by Kirk Hamilton, so there's one minute from Kirk. Uh, Kirk, uh, Kirk Hamilton, by the way, has written a lot of good articles, just to be clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just, to, just so it doesn't seem like I'm outing him. Or Owen Good, also, I believe, who now works for Polygon, also does good writing as well. Kirk Hamilton, I remember most for doing good music articles. So mm-hmm. just, just... Just to say that I, I, you know, he's done other good articles, not just to publicly shame him. But uh, this one's called Bioshock Infinite is insanely, ridiculously violent. It's a real shame. <laughs> and uh, oh man, yeah, my point, the point here, like that, he he sort of sets up a scenario where imagine you're someone who's never played Bioshock or has no idea what they're getting into, and they open up this very cutesy mystery game from the outset, and then they find a fucking bloody corpse, like, five seconds in, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then they they wake up in this world where a guy gets fucking chainsawed in the face, mm-hmm. uh, and it's one of your first real interactions in the game, and he goes into sort of gory detail as to that interaction. And the the excessiveness of the of the violence there, and and sort of builds onto a case that kind of sort of talks about like he wishes he could show his like his family members this game, but this kind of <laughs> this kind of ruins it. Oh yes, I know what you mean. This mindset. I yeah, I think this is a terrible take, and just uh, on top of that, it also is very disingenuous to the. The actual content of Bioshock Infinite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's a world that is a violent world. I mean, like, a good chunk of the game entails a bit of civil unrest that mm-hmm. involves a lot of violence, you know, like, and it would be very disingenuous to to pretend that that's, like, it, it wouldn't be this bloody and awful. And on top of that, the character Booker DeWitt He's very much characterized as a guy who uses violence and is judged for it and uses it almost as an automatic response. It's a part of his fucking character arc. You know, like, it couldn't be a worse take of a worse game. You know, like, if you wanted to go into a fucking, 
you know, Modern Warfare 2 of the day, you know, and to shoot the innocents, it's very shocking. I, I get it, you know, that that would be one where I go like, okay, yeah, it's glorifying the military complex and it's also trying to shock value. What of the terrorists, though? Mm-hmm. But Bioshock Infinite is the wrong fucking game to make this case that, you know, like, we should compromise its violent intent and content because your wife and or sister might want to play. Uh, you know, I really like this game that's about, like, xenophobia and racism and a society that, you know, has that as its foundations. But, uh, you know, I uh, there's just, it's just the violence, you know? Uh, it's just... It- Maybe I'm 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 being a little disingenuous by not fully like quoting the thing, so I'm putting it out there onto the episode for people to read, just to make sure that you know like that's definitely the point he was trying to get across. And I don't like I, I do think there was more to his argument, but I also think it's like it's the wrong game to make this argument for. Maybe this was written like literally an hour into the game, and then he didn't get further, and then he didn't think about taking it down. But like Jesus, mm, that does seem to be the Kotaku way. Yeah, maybe. I don't want to fucking jump here, but don't it's worry, that'll be my job. Bad, yeah, yeah, you can do it. But um, anyway, it's the hottest of it's a it's the hottest of hot takes, and it's a real fucking bad one. So, uh, news this week. Lawrence, you got a you got a favorite story? I mean, we'll we'll talk we'll talk more collectively about um, the EA and PC gamer show, whether you've seen them or not. In a minute, no, I I I, I understand that you watch them partially out of an obligation to have to have something to talk about. Yo, content, got to get that content. Hot ass uh, content. Yeah, I, I I wasn't quite as desperate because I recognized them for what they were. Something to be avoided or perused in hindsight with like a, a list of things that came out. Yeah, yes, and that they were. Uh, what's what's uh, set my imagination alight this week is the, uh, I suppose, the release and media circus surrounding The Last of Us 2, or as I like to call it, the, the Neil Druckmann self-congratulatory power hour. Oh, God, excellent. Yes, uh, yeah, up there with Ken Levine and Guy Who Talks Too Much About His Games publicly is uh, mm-hmm. Neil Druckmann. Uh, well, I mean, unlike Hal Levine, Neil, Neil Druckmann's uh, self-praise is borderline masturbatory. Mm. You know, he's, ta- he's talking about how, uh, oh, at do- dogs in my game, they're, in other games, they're merely enemies. But in this game, they're a pet that belongs to someone who will cry out its name as you shoot them in like a, a borderline oh, fetishistic oh. manner. Jesus, no. Are you serious? Like, oh, yeah, he was going on about how, like... pretentious up the... We killed a dog in our game and it was meaningful trope. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, have you not been hearing about some of the dumb shit he's been saying? No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like, uh, what was that? In fact, you know what? I'm going to look this up right now. There was a, he has been, his head has been so firmly up his own ass about this that it's been, it is overshadowed like the actual game itself in my mind. There was a recent uh, review of The Last of Us 2 that said something, you know, effusingly gushing like where most video games these days are trying to be john wick the last of us 2 is more comparable to schindler's list oh my god and uh this was naturally on social media to which uh to which uh neil Druckmann took the stage to say you know i'm real tired of hearing all these quote-unquote jokes about something that's really really serious 
you know, the, as an art form, yada, yada, yada. I was like, my God, man, get over yourself. Your game's not Schindler's List. And even <laughs> if it was Schindler's List, that wouldn't be a decision that you, that's not an assessment that you get to make, dude. Are we serious? The fucking zombie game? Uh-huh. <laughs> holy, holy shit. I mean, yes, we have, uh, the game industry, the games industry is very, um, is always looking for its new big thing. It's new, it's new, uh, fuck you to Roger Ebert. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, man, for, for that guy, for someone who, like, has nothing to do with the industry, boy, has he given the industry a massive chip on the shoulder. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes, here it is. It's like, John Wick, The Last of Us 2 is Schindler's List. And just like that film, there were times when I wasn't sure I could keep going. Holy shit. And uh, the tweet was, truly Ikaruga is the Eli Wiesel's Night of Shmups. Neil Druckmann said something to the effect of, with all due respect, I find these kinds of ironic, uh, scare quotes, jokes, to be unproductive at best. We can do better with critical discourse, especially by those of us with thousands of followers, and especially about sensitive subject matter. Oh my god. And, uh, so it's, it's what, what, what are we, what's he saying here? Is, um, so the Ikaruga comment, that was somebody else? Yeah, that was somebody else. Jason Schreier also chipped in with like a sort of joke at the expense of this, you know, brine nosy article. <laughs> and then Neil Druckmann calmly and carefully steps back in to say, no, that man who's praising me is right. That is right. <laughs> he is right in, uh, in comparing to me to one of the greatest and most impactful films of the 20th century. That also deals with subject matter, like the fucking Holocaust. He's, uh-huh. it's, it's a zombie apocalypse. I mean, sure, right, okay. It's it, Last of Us is really about the characters, okay? And so, I mean, you're playing mm. it at the moment. You can see that it's not really about the fucking zombies. It's a back. It's a backdrop. And it doesn't help that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of DMCA takedowns of games that are of reviews or pundits that are critical of the game under the... They've, basically, they've been very heavy-handed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, oh, yes, there's the fact that they've been sort of using this as a means of quieting people down who have been too noisy about all the crunch that well you know it's a lot crunchier now naughty dog's a lot crunchier now that neil yeah. <laughs> yeah i did uh glanced at an article didn't fully read it which uh says everything you need to know about me but the um about uh the sheer exuberance of the of the graphics at times can't help but bring to light that crunch uh-huh, especially because I'm pretty sure Neil Druckmann was the guy who, like, ousted Amy Hennig from the company. In, like, oh, the oh well, okay, though. now we're getting into al- al- alleged territory. Oh, yes, Alleg- allegedly. 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 Um, but, yeah. Allegedly. I, if, that's, if that's allegedly true, that's allegedly bullshit. Fuck, man. The, what, a, what a train wreck to be a part of from start to finish. Which is like, it's like, you know what? The game's probably going to be good. I would even go so far as to say it's probably going to be great. But the energy it's been giving off since, like, the leaks and the the, the release have been really, really strange. It doesn't help that the, uh, the early release codes that they've been giving out to influencers <laughs> have been uh, really, really draconian about what they can and cannot show. Yes, the embargo was famously tight. Which is laughable, uh, just a hugely amusing example of like locking the stable after the horse is bolted. <laughs> after like 
Oh, yes, after the script leaked, or like the whole game leaked, didn't it? After like the second half of the game's worth of, like entire cutscenes of the ending of the game were like released for everybody to see. And it's like, it feels like at this point, the only people who don't know what the ending to that game are, are the people who like, like me, very deliberately chose not to see it. Yeah, anybody who's uh, who was already looking to know, who was going to read a spoiler article ahead of time has already seen the spoiler. People aren't happy, Bob. They aren't happy. <laughs> About what? About the... The nature of the ending. Like, there's a bunch of, like, LGBTQ people who are really unhappy. There's a bit oh. of, like... There's a bit of a stuffed in the fridgeism going on, apparently. Oh, no. no. But, uh... I'm. Uh, I don't have to worry about that because what the what happens when this happens is I assume that everybody I like dies, so that I'll only be pleased when they make it. I'll be surprised when they make it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like when the leaks first came out, and when people people's hackles were first getting up that there might be something amiss. Like there was a lot of people from inside Naughty Dog giving a lot of sort of, how do I describe this? You know when the, the final season of Game of Thrones came out? Lots of eye contact, lots of like really nervous grins and going, you yeah. know what? I was just really happy to be a part of the project. There was a lot of very talented people. You know, a lot of sort of really uncanny, circuitous, like damned by faint praise sorts of things going yeah, on. Yeah. So there was a lot of the same energy coming out of Naughty Dog with people going, yeah, you know what? There's a lot of really talented people working on this. I'm really glad you've been a part of this project. The Last of Us is like a, a, a really close to us down here at Naughty Dog, you know, sort of people, like, people who have like the distinct energy about them of like having like a gun trained to their head. Also, uh, this game, it's coming at an unfortunate time when in a, there's been a recurring trope or technique in games where you've seen it before, no doubt, where it tries to make you feel bad by chastising you for doing something that you needed to do in order to progress through the game. They're trying to make you feel bad for your characters doing something when the reality of the matter was... The only two choices you had were do that thing or not play the game. <laughs> like, yeah, because it's like Neil Druckmann, of course, in a weirdly creepy manner going on about how every character in this game, every enemy, you know, they have loved ones. You'll see enemies cry out the names of because like you'll shoot an enemy and then like uh, all the enemies around will be like, oh, no, Samantha. Oh, it's like, oh, my fucking God. Are you serious? It's like it's all about the cycle of violence. But if these are enemies who are like trying to kill you, I'm not going to feel all that bad. No matter how much you try to slap my wrist and go, oh, that was a person with friends and family. It's like, yeah, dude, I know. Okay. I'm just going to resent you for like making it the only option. God, it sounds like he's responding to the, the Rick and Morty pilot or something. <laughs> like, this isn't how people actually feel. <laughs> you know, it's more serious than your throwaway gag about shooting an alien and they having a family. You know, these people, these, these AI, they do have stories. We've written them, and it's very important to tell them. Yeah, it's a shame. What a circuit, man. I'm glad you're I'm glad you're on the front line of this because I don't want any fucking thing to do with it. It is all sorts of fucking cringe from here. <laughs> <laughs> anything, anything else been uh, catching your attention? No, uh, I guess the cyberpunk delay. I'm not even surprised. Like, this was a game that was announced in, like, what, 2015, it feels like? It must be. It must be. It's, it's only uh, been... When, when did the fucking Witcher 3 come out? Yeah, they announced it roughly around the same time, and they were like, yeah, we're not working on this. 
until The Witcher 3 is, is done. At yeah. which point you look at them and go, then why are you announcing it, guys? Why are you telling us about it? Yeah. But, you know, this game has been delayed after delayed after delayed. Like, you're not even surprised. It's like a... It's like the event horizon of some kind of black hole. Like the closer you get to it, the longer it seems to take. The, the uh, what was it? The hard times or the hard drives? It is the hard times, isn't it? The uh, oh, hard hard drive. The hard drive. Yeah, the hard drive had a very funny uh, headline. Has is their their lot. Oh yeah, punk ass game or something, wasn't it? No, uh, yeah, cyberpunk punk game, true to form by showing up fashionably late to its own release. It's a great. Uh... Twitter and or website to follow, by the way, anyone who hasn't followed the hard drive. The, the onion for video games. Brilliant. Yeah, I, Cyberpunk was a thing that I knew at the time was announced way too fucking early. I could fucking see it. Uh, so I've, I, I've been quite lucky uh, to not get in, invested. I haven't, I've, aside from maybe one or two trailers I've seen at various E3s over the year, and I certainly haven't fucking pre-ordered it or set my fucking clock to it. So um, I'm very lucky that I get to step away from this and 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 feel utterly detached and get to play it as if it shows up on the day. And uh, knowing none the wiser uh, that it was a thing that people were desperately clamoring for, um, and I just felt I should rub that in. <laughs> yeah, I think the only other announcement. That's of a uh, personal interest to me would be Crash Bandicoot Four, but unlike yourself, who uh, who are, you're a hot blooded hot blooded person, I'm not. Like uh, I'm I'm jaded. I'm worn down by the winds. Oh, I see. But I have been eroded by the tides too many times over the course of too long a period to have any kind of excitement in me whatsoever. At least at first, you know, I can look at something and go, "Looks like it's coming along well," or "Looks good." But uh, until it's in my hands or I, people that I trust are telling me, no, man, it's the real deal. Uh, I'm not going to get too excited. Yeah, Crash is, uh, to me, a legitimate reason to be hype. The uh, Toys for Bob dudes have been doing bang-up work with the uh, the remakes. Oh, it's Toys for Bob making it, huh? That's interesting. Because yeah. a uh, funny bit of trivia, Toys for Bob, or the original Toys for Bob, maybe not the modern iteration... Were the people who made Star Control 2. Wow, no, I didn't know that. I, I only knew them as the Skylanders guys before they started doing Sony remakes, retreads. And, uh, and that's, I, that's my fun bit of trivia for today. Did you like the uh, the Insane Trilogy? I did. I'm glad to hear you say that because uh, I'm, I, I'm, I don't like being this person, but I was the guy who looked at gameplay and went, you know, it's just not the same. And I hated myself for it. Yeah, yeah, and and to be fair, I understood a lot where people were coming from there, but at the same time, as a as a long term Crash Bandicoot fan, <laughs> which is a sickness that we some of us do actually carry with us in life, mm -hmm. uh, because I, I literally played almost all of them, which is fucking ill, tragic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> but. Um, Ensign Trilogy is really fucking good. Now, to be fair, it was made by Vicarious Visions. Mm -hmm. um, the fourth game seems to be being made by Toys for Bob, who were actually behind the, Sky the Spyro remake, which I also played and was also really good. Mm -hmm. uh, but And so that's why I think it's in pretty capable hands. Another bit of follow-up from last week. Uh, having the balls to call your thing four. Yes, that's right. That's right. We were talking about Hitman 3. Yeah. 
being uh being ballsy enough to just come out and say we are hitman 3 not fucking and the same goes for hitman 2 obviously but this one was like they didn't fucking they didn't muddy the water or step away and go like hitman 2 part 2 or some shit yeah it's not that crash bandicoot uh redemption or some bullshit <laughs> <Crash you know. laughs> Redemption. he's back and this time he's angry no it's crash 4 yes That's confidence absolutely uh and just right you know hopefully it's not the it's 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 closer to the the hitman 3 kind of confidence than it is the uh the sonic 4 confidence Mm, misplaced confidence yeah misplaced confidence sometimes it's good to be cowardly sometimes you have a good reason to be a coward sometimes if you're gonna name it the fourth in the game at least don't hand it off to a third party company to develop Jesus Christ, what happened to Sonic 4? Anyway, that's a topic for another day. Mm-hmm. This week, we, uh, God help me, there was uh, the PC Gamer Show and the EA Play Live were our exciting, uh, well, Jesus, exciting is doing a lot of work there. Uh, they were our shows this week. Mm-hmm. We are still in, in uh usual E3 time of the year, uh, although due to the Backstreet Boys tour, we, uh, do not we we don't have re3 this year this is this is for posterity by the way everybody knows this at the at time of recording but mm-hmm. uh, there's only so much attention to go around yeah 100 percent um the phrase uh there's only so much mind share yes that's the disgusting <laughs> disgusting corporate that sounds fucking 1984 as fuck mm-hmm. uh pc gamer show i didn't really watch you you didn't see either of these no, I've been told uh, that the PC gaming one in particular was rather insubstantial. It's always been bad, so I, I didn't watch it myself. I just skimmed through the announced titles. Interesting ones out of those were Persona, 5, Persona 4 Golden. Oh, uh, yes. I remember that being a particularly amusing announcement because he interrupted the conference to announce it, despite the fact that it had already been on sale for, like, several the hours. The entire day, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, that's excellent news. Everybody should play Persona 4. We'll eventually get to Are you Are you waiting for Persona 3? I am, in fact, waiting for Persona 3. Yes. Atlas, I feel like I don't think that I would make a very good uh, business analyst, but I think I could do a better job than whoever the fuck is working at Atlas right now. Mm, You're yeah. sitting on a mountain of free money. It's free money. Maybe they were... Um... Maybe they were holding out on on the Persona Three dancing game. They were checking the numbers and saying, "Hmm, use that to judge that the metrics on the dancing game shall decide whether we uh, ever re-release Persona Three in its full glory, and not some fucking PSP hand-me-down stripped out version." And uh, yeah, one hundred percent. What the what the fuck is keeping them? <laughs> it's like you know what? I'm pretty sure that the decision to put the Golden on PC was one that they were pushed to by Sega, for instance. That could be true, and in this very rare case of a publisher knowing better, <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that Sega has done so, because people should and w- seemingly have leapt to fucking Persona 4 now that it's on something that's not the PlayStation 2 or the PS Vita. Mm-hmm. Um, in related news, I'd like to, to pour one out for uh, the PS Vita. It's all lifeline. You're free now, it's okay. It's that and the the PS TV. You you forget the, the PS TV. I choose to forget, Lee. <laughs> its whole lifeline was also Persona Four Golden. Uh, if only the rest of us could only hope to be as adequate as the PS Vita. <laughs> 
Anyway, also the PC Gamer Show. And we had the Outlast Trials, uh, uh, which I'm interested because I'm, I'm kind of tiptoeing about the idea of revisiting Outlast. Ooh. Yeah, I'm doing, giving it some fucking due diligence since I, I tend to uh, fucking slag it off quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I want to be fair, a little more fair. I, I'm kind of working my way through some other stuff at the moment. I want to see some of through. Oh, yes. Outlast is a tangential thing that I've been thinking about because I've started playing Soma, and I'm like, mm, if I can get through this, maybe I should give Outlast a better shot. Uh, the The only other thing that I thought was of really... I mean, it's a bunch of trailers of this fucking PC gamer show thing, but the only thing that looked cool right off the bat was a game called In Sound Mind. Uh, oh, yes, that's the mannequin thing, isn't it? Yeah, it has that. It's kind of it's like the same shit you've seen in Bioshock. Uh, those those fucking polystyrene people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that looked good. I mean, more games like that. More games like that in Soma. The sort of philosophical and scary games. I'm 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 all for, and uh, I'm trying to get better at them. I'm trying to get better at playing more of them. So, In Sound Mind has has officially made the the radar. Uh, but yeah, as as for the rest, I mean, there was fucking who knows some Shadow Man remaster. Who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, alienated all those Shadow Man fans out there. Damn it. Right off the bat, those that that hardcore Shadow Man base will never tune into another Factor Man episode. Uh, Elite Dangerous is getting a on foot mechanic, which is very strange to me. You can now walk, get out of your ship, and walk around. Yeah, I've never played Elite Dangerous, so I don't know what that what that means in terms of the difference it might make. Uh, I recently bought it as part of like a, a humble bundle, and uh, it's it's sort of once I get VR going to be my du jour go to VR game because it's like, hey, you're in a cockpit, yeah, you're going around in space, it's gonna be cool. Yeah, that's that was one thing I did notice. I, I checked it just to see if it was a um, if it was a full game or not. To, uh, like a follow-up that which would sound more exciting but it's it's a patch to the game that's already out there so i mean it's hard for me to, to really give a shit <laughs> so i i watched ea play live yes. uh, which uh which I'm, I'm glad i did to some degree because uh i was really there was... Lot, was there a lot of sweaty black people yeah uh, you, not as much as you would hope oh you know i like sweaty black people <laughs> <laughs> I sure do. I'm, I'm glad. I, I'm glad I've seen EA EA Games live because, uh, or EA Play live because um, I was missing a little bit of the of the E three cringe. Mm-hmm. I I, I kind of pine for it. Oh, sorry. I've just I've just glanced at like a a roundup for like the EA Live, and I've just saw the phrase or the sentence. Members of the wildly popular Sims 4 team showcased oh. a touching message about diversity, which was one of the highlights of the entire show. Oh my god. No, no, no. Lawrence, that was the funniest part. I mean, like, and I, I let's to be clear, I'm gonna qualify this very quickly and say not in a derogatory or disrespectful way to the people involved. I mean, good it's good to have good, good feely moments. If uh, I were to guess, was there a selection of strategically ethnic members of the team solemnly standing, talking very vaguely about current events? Uh, and why uh, now, more than ever, we need to come together in order to enjoy the products of EA. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, one hundred percent. It was a, it was it was a touching speech about how the Sims helped uh, these uh, sort of disenfranchised individuals uh, find their place in the world, find a community, or a, a sort of build a, a world for themselves that uh, that felt normal. Which in itself, I thought was a bit creepy because the Sims is anything but a normal world. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the they, they they've come together through their mutual fondness for. Uh, trapping people in the deep end of swimming pools and burning houses down. Maybe you know it is it, the petty revenge simulator lives on, I believe. But the uh, the the funniest part, uh, which and by funny I mean creepy, uh, mm-hmm. came when after a, a, one of the speakers said the quote, "Sims is like a utopia of what I hope our world eventually becomes," <laughs> and then. All you know, from an EA spokesman, I believe them. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, true. But then the the people in the video started melting into their Sims. Like, they were swapped out. Their, like, skin fell away, and they became uh, Sim versions. It's, it's a, the bugs next thing all, all over again. It was one of the... Yeah, it's, it's so much worse. It was legitimately horrifying. Like, it was like, especially after the Sims is the Utopia, I, I wish to breed in the Sims world and then melting into their Sim. Oh, man, that was. I mean, I'm glad I saw it because, I, like, to be fair, I was already unsettled by the sort of. It had started, the, the whole thing, presentation had started with a lot of quite nice things. For a corporation to say, uh, Andrew uh-huh. Bot- Andrew Bot Wilson stepped out and uh, and, and spoke in maybe the most uh, robotic way impossible. <laughs> possible. Like he, it's almost like he's playing into the meme of himself. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he 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 did say some you know quite nice things about the you know, sticking by the black community and yeah, or you know willing to put it on the line to to support these times of change. I mean, mm. despite maybe as a as a corporation fundamentally opposing these changes that people actually have in mind, but uh yeah, anyway, it was uh it was then followed up by the threatening uh statement of wishing that the world the world that we uh after after the world defund we defund the police mm-hmm. <laughs> at, uh, and in enlisted no, <laughs> oh my god! No. For a moment there, I almost got excited. I was like, "Yeah, man, fucking smash the state! Let's go!" Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if 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 a statement like that had been made, I wouldn't be still laughing about it. Put it that way, you know, like mm-hmm. still still poking at it because that's that's an actual fucking statement. Put it that way. No, he was saying more like these are difficult times. Stand by, you know, Black Rights Matter. Which is, you know, it's good that he said that. Uh-huh. But yeah, fuck me, man. Uh, Sims is the utopia, that I, which I hope our world eventually morphs into. That's a mission statement that's an outright threat to humanity. Yeah, it's a, some kind of nightmarish techno-utopian awfulness. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> to be fair, there really wasn't much to talk about in the EA Games thing. Uh, I'm glad I had... Uh, that cringed back in my life a bit, uh, but the the Sims talk was the right over. The, I mean, to be fair, a lot of it was, was went right over my head. There was um, 
Apex Legends talk, who the fuck cares? Sims talk, yeah. who the fuck cares? They, yeah. they talked about uh, Command and Conquer being coming out again. I mean, I I'm sure people care. I've played it before. I, I don't. Uh, so, but uh, I mean, it looked exactly like Command and Conquer. So good for them. There was It Takes Two, which uh, a creepy emotional doll simulator. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now, and uh... pushed by cra- uh, a crazy man, Joseph something. For those of you who uh, who like me didn't know who that was based on his name, it's the fuck the Oscars guy from uh, the game the v- the. V- the video game awards yeah and and boy oh boy did ea play into the fact he said that it was referenced not once but twice i'm looking at the video and uh i haven't seen oh here's the game now because because it's all about this dude yeah it's a it's him it's him it's the ego show for this crazy i know sorry that's that's my I didn't. I didn't properly put the inverted commas on there. That crazy. Yeah, yeah. You need to pronounce it right. He's crazy. Oh, he's outspoken. He's like fuck the things. And then you know you get footage of him storming around his office in a mocap suit while camera crews are following him and shooting him in glorious high def. You know, like uh-huh. um, I just he, who the fuck cares? <laughs> he's an auteur, Lee. Yes. EA the, has auteurs. Fashionable sense, I believe so. And uh, he's made pure back to back seven out of tens, like brother, a tale of two sons, and and a way out. Oh, that's great. I love that. Back to back seven out of tens. <laughs> uh, I mean, he looks, he looks right on, on, on course to follow that up with It Takes Two, which. Yeah, yeah, it looks like all the others. It just looks like all the others. <laughs> the way he described it sounds like he hadn't even moved on from the concepts of a way out. He just felt like he he described terms like you know he was he was reinventing gameplay initiatives, or sorry, he was uh-huh. reinventing, he was reinventing the way we interact with gameplay. And I swear to God, man, you can't say that shit with no irony, like. <laughs> Can't you can't actually say like your fucking telltale game with a budget <laughs> was actually like a fucking breathtaking stride for the industry. Listen, man, if if at the press press conference your take or uh, your um your representation is video of you in the office and like video of people working at computers on the game that you're not showing us, put it back in the oven, man. It needs more time. We uh we saw next to nothing of it, but we did see a lot of Yosef, and mm-hmm. I think they they're hoping that they they can they can make that enough of a brand for us to give a shit, which might be enough. To be fair, he does he does say good. He he makes good gifts. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. He seems. Yeah. Okay. Sure. He seems like a nice guy to share a beer with, which is a bad criteria. To vote for someone for, but it is nice to, as a person to, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't work with a dude like that. I wouldn't want to work with that guy, but I mean, I certainly don't mind him existing. <laughs> Lovely. Back to back, seven out of tens. I don't mind him existing. Uh, the EA also did another EA original, which was uh, a cute little Tim Burton looking game called Lost and Random. Oh, I'm looking at it now, and Tim Burton should definitely contact his solicitor because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does look good, though. It looks good. 
It's got it's it's the trend that follows on from the PS5 reveal thing, where fucking 3D platformers are suddenly back in in action, and uh, I'm all about that. I'm 100% happy to see the games that I would have played if I were seven still getting made. Mm. <laughs> um, again, it, it, they've clear they've clearly unveiled it a little too early. They uh, they lead with concept art rather than like full images, and they uh, they show not a lot of the of the shifts of the world. So we're probably going to be waiting for that a long time. That actually might be a, a, a significant problem with this uh, EA Play thing is that almost all the games in it that were new basically don't exist yet. Yeah, uh, because uh, jumping a little ahead to the end of the presser was a uh, skate an announcement for the next skate. Uh, which it was exciting to people who played Skate. I understand. I mean, uh, it's—I don't know if this is coincidence or not, but uh, roughly the same time that this is game made, uh, Tony Hawk's getting back in the game. Yes, that's right. We've got Tony Hawk One and Two being remade, and uh, hints of a new one. Ooh, Tony Hawk Nine. The man himself has been, uh, you know, well, not Tony Hawk Nine, but like uh, something in the vein of Underground or American Wasteland okay. or something like sure. that. Underground Four. Yeah, he's, he's been uh, he's been courting the press. You know, he's been trying to put himself back in the relevance again. Uh, okay. He seems to be leaning into his uh, his persona as uh, the real life Perry the Platypus. As in, uh, you know, if you were the same, you'd be like, "Who's that guy?" But if he's holding a skateboard, it's like, "Oh my god, it's Tony Hawk!" <laughs> I did see some very cute tweets. Somebody asked him, uh, "Are you Tony Hawk?" And he said, "Yeah." And the person went, "Why?" Um, uh, good, good response. Yeah, skate, skate got skate got announced, and there not only was there not a number or a title, there was nothing to show of it. They the essentially, they, it was like a fucking presser, or like they had gotten, they had like they essentially said, "We have signed a contract with the guys who made skate to make another skate," and they, and the, the guys themselves, are very, very excited for it. So that was cute, but like Jesus, don't. Don't mention it this early on. Like, like you might. We don't even know if these guys have a team yet. You know, like, what are the skate team dudes doing these days? <laughs> I'm sure they've moved on to some other fucking. They've been swallowed into the EA conglomerate. Is it using that that peripheral? Do you remember the skate peripheral? That was a Tony Hawk thing. Oh, was it? Hmm. Yeah, Tony Hawk Ride, I believe it was called. Oh yes, that's right. That's that's why the that's uh, part of the reason why there's not a lot of Tony Hawk games. <laughs> Two other games that were mentioned in this: Rocket Arena. Uh, what to say about Rocket Arena? That's it. Seems to have that uh, that Fortnite Pixar aesthetic, the Overwatch yeah, aesthetic. Good. Yep, as we ascertained before in our, in our previous in the episode that no one will hear. Uh-huh. Uh, we are just about on the peak of being fucking done with that. Oh, this is really Fortnite. Yeah, so it's 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 a, it's an online multiplayer battler, something akin to Overwatch, I guess. But everybody ha- has rockets, like that's the only weapon is rockets. Uh, my first problem is that it's called Rocket Blank when there already is a big esport called Rocket Blank at the moment. Uh-huh. You, Rocket League's been around for so long now. Why would you step into that arena, that Rocket Arena? It looks it looks fine. I, it, I don't... it looks like Fortnite. Like I mean, I said it before, but like the the art direction is Fortnite. The position of the camera is Fortnite. Like mm. when they fire a rocket, it feels like Fortnite. I don't know how. I, 
fucking hero shooters. I don't know if the world has any more space for. Hey, Lee. Do you like Star Wars? Star Wars? I sure... <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm very much checking out by the minute of Star Wars. Yeah, Sorry. in no in no small part due to EA. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that the Star Wars burnout is at its greatest now than it has ever been since like the Phantom Menace or some shit. It almost feels like every the, the clapping is preemptive when a new Star Wars game is announced. Especially when it's a fucking flight game. Like this should have been a quirky little Little side release, not a. It's a. It's a. It seems to be a direct uh, successor. Not successor, but a, a direct. Uh, you can see the through line from this, from uh, Battlefront. I believe had like a, a demo for something like this, where it was like, "Hey, X-wing and Tie fighter combat in VR, go." Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. And uh, they seem to have developed the concept into something a bit more substantial. And you know, it looks good. You know. It's- it looks very fun. I mean, the fact that uh, it has an EO, EA, EA logo on it, so most assuredly they will find a way to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> there has been since confirmation that there, there will neither be microtransactions, mm-hmm. there will not, it, it is not being referred to as a live service. service. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I don't know. I don't know if that means it doesn't. I don't think that rules out loot boxes. To be fair, <laughs> but that definitely does seem like they're trying to to fucking curve so their worst surprise mechanics. Some degree. Yeah, yeah. They didn't say anything about no more surprise mechanics. I mean, uh, the fact that's in VR is a big deal to me because uh, it's a lot of the things I liked about or. You know, I like the look of about Elite Dangerous, which is, you know, you're in a cockpit, you can see all the controls exist in game, and you have to like use your hands to hit the buttons and like turn the wheels and knobs and whatnot in order to get things to move. I love that shit. I eat that shit up. Yeah. It does kind of make you pine for like a joystick in the classic sense. In any case, yeah, there seems to be a campaign with like. There is, there is. There seems to be something going on. And it's it looks to which is the, cool. the stiff-ass writing of Battlefront 2, which makes it intolerable. But, I mean, it'll at least be more fun to play. Yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that you can play as a Republic fighter or a Empire, or sorry, New Order fire, means that uh, you can play as an Imperial player and not have to worry about the game trying to guilt trip you in the going, this is yeah, the wrong see. thing. I would that would be fine, but it was actually I never even got far enough into the writing of Battlefront Two to get to the "you're doing the wrong thing" section. Oh, it was the, all, the Imperials were so fucking stiff and dry, and they were essentially Call of Duty in space. The fucking march your orders and nothing else, no character. Mm-hmm. Everybody, the occasional dry, dry attempted at wit, and and then move. To form back into the the steady, safe containment that is mission briefings. <laughs> yeah, well, fortunately, with well, it takes so long as the dogfighting's good. Yeah, I, at least I can say that, and it it does look quite good. I'm not really sure what the, if I'd care enough to play multiplayer of it. I might do that, you know. Oh well, I mean, I might not because I don't have PS Plus and I'm resistant to getting it. But you know, it looks in theory. Hey, missing the big, uh, big announcement from EA is that all their shit's moving to Steam. Oh yes, that's right. 
That's that the death was, of origin. That was basically the only real news in this. <laughs> was that they quietly seem to be killing origin. They won't even admit it yet. They seem to be shifting more and more to the Ubisoft model of our platform isn't very good, but we're going to force you to sign into it, even if you're using Steam anyway. The 2K games model in uh, my head. Well, that was EA. That's and that's my news. You know, what a week. <laughs> Uh, oh, hmm. Well, it's a bit late, but there is one other game that I've been playing a lot recently. Oh, yeah? Skullgirls. Skullgirls, the fighting game. The fighting game, made by Lab Zero Games. The the darling of the FGC. You would know. <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, have you been keeping abreast of uh, the Evo situation this year? Only as so far as you have tweeted it, and that's about as much as I've got. Well, it's been very amusing because uh, it has been a, a lot of foibles and problems and baggage that have been plaguing the community for so long now are now coming to a head and they're being brought, blinking uh, hands in front of their face into the spotlight. And it's a lot of the it's the crows coming home to roost. It, uh, elaborate for me here because there's a lot of oversights here i mean is it because the indie games have started to take over or well there's a very good reason why the indie games have started to take over and it's the problem of netcode have you heard anything at all about the big netcode debacle i know that netcode has been a significant problem for a long time for the for fighting games in specific because of the the obvious latency issues that come with a bad netcode mm-hmm. so well most uh, fi- traditionally you would use delay based netcode which is terrible, and uh, it's out of date, and it's been out of date for the better part of a decade now. The, mm. hot, the new hotness is uh, rollback netcode, but uh, because most of the fighting game developers are in Japan, which is a small island that has a lot of highly developed network infrastructure, they mm. don't care, and the rest of the world can pine stand, because guess what? What are you going to do? Not buy Street Fighter? Yeah, I, I, I see where... Um... I see where the the precipitous fall is coming here. Uh huh. So uh, we now live in a world where uh, the Backstreet Boys live tour has prevented us from leaving the house for extended periods of time. And uh, now that Evo has had to go online, I'm looking here at the at the at the at the lineup, the the official lineup. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. You know what? To be fair, I it's it's kind of exciting to see it get so nutty. People are delighted. Yeah. Because guess I... what? One of two one of two things was going to happen this year on Evo, which was they try to do the same old story, and you get to see fucking Smash Brothers die live at the finals, and it was going to be hilarious. Street Fighter was going to look like shit. All of the big name uh Japanese developers who still, after 10 years, because of their conservative corporate structure and corporate culture, have refused to adapt with the times, were going to get blown up, and it was going to be fantastic. That's one outcome. Mm-hmm. The other outcome is what we get now, which is all the, the, the indies who have been looking for their time in the spotlight, particularly Skullgirls, who got shafted the year that uh, it came out, are getting their time to shine. And they're being really smug about it. Rightly so, and and well earned. <laughs> I'm even reading some of the Twitter comments here, and uh, I mean, people are gloating like hell, and they deserve it. 
a very fair question like does Brawlhalla have good netcode? I have no idea because Brawlhalla hasn't been relevant for years. Yeah, but there it is. Right uh -huh. up there with MK11. I see Fantasy Strike and next to it a comment that says laughing my ass off, Fantasy Strike is whack. Uh -huh. Another another funny development is that uh, so there's been this long running problem with uh, connectivity and fighting games beyond Netcode, which is Wi-Fi players. Wi-Fi uh, is really bad for fighting games and online player playing in general. Uh, not because of speed. The speed could be great, but jitter. Mm. Which basically means that uh, it has an inconsistent speed that can go up and, co and can go down. And even if you have a pretty good speed, the fact that it's inconsistent really scuppers the online playing experience. And this is particularly so in fighting games. Where like this is you have like frame perfect shit going on where it's like uh like a difference of five frames could make or break a game. Mm -hmm. I know this. I know this from the cheap and bullshit uh, Smash Brothers Ultimate games that I've lost, uh, and that being the only reason why I lost them. Well, uh, now that uh, everything's going online on account of Backstreet Boys, yeah, there are uh, a lot of well, Skullgirls, for instance did something very funny, which I like, which is that they put in a indicator that shows that the person you're playing against is playing on Wi-Fi, and that therefore they're okay to shame because they deserve it. <laughs> Wi-Fi players are deserving of your scorn and are the scum of the earth because they're the sorts of people who are like, oh no, it's fine, I've got a really good connection. Uh, it works fine for me, everything's good on my end. Whilst the person on the other end is like getting like frame drops and shit like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And especially if they have a bad connection and they live in like Australia or some shit. So the fact that uh, there are games are introducing uh, a means of identifying them so that they can be singled out and uh, shamed is uh, very pleasing to me. And there's nothing, nothing warms my heart because they're really clamping down on it now in the FGC because of the, the online stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, somebody accuses. Uh, another person of being a Wi-Fi player. <laughs> so uh, the 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 tournament the the tournament official goes, "Hey, uh, you're gonna need to prove that you're not on Wi-Fi. Could you do like a like a connection check? Mm -hmm. Or uh, if you could send us a photo of your setup, can you show us show us a photo of your Ethernet cable uh, plugged into the back of your setup from your modem?" And they get caught out, and they get banned instantly, and disqualified, and their their winnings are forfeit. And it's like, mm, mm, yeah, mm, yes, that's good. That feels good in my in my chest. <laughs> I, I I feel the uh, years and years of spite. Uh huh. Especially, uh, I think there was one instance where uh, one person accused the other of uh, not being on a wired connection. And uh, the other person accused them in turn, and it turned out that they were both not using a wired connection, and they both got disqualified. Oh, mwah, oh my mwah. god, that's pure drama. You gotta love it. When is Evo? When is Evo this year? Uh, I think it's uh, it is July. Let me double check. Evo twenty twenty. And uh, you know, I've been a fan of Skullgirls for a while now. And uh, now that's been advised for you know, I'm I put myself in, boss. I'm I'm going in, coach. I'm going for Evo. Uh, I'm not actually. You're too busy doing podcast work. Yes, it's You're a, not allowed to leave. It's July 4th to August 2nd. That's exciting. I'm excited to hear more about this in, in follow up because I'm uh, sure this isn't the last interesting thing we'll hear about uh, the lead up to Evo 2020. 
Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've been meaning, you know what? Skullgirls is good. I'll get back into Skullgirls. I'll play it a bit more so that, you know, when I'm watching it at Evil, I can actually understand what I'm looking at. <laughs> also, uh, Sonic Fox is star playing Skullgirls as well, and uh, I've, uh, I've followed him on Twitter, which is great because he's a character and I like him. He's in Skullgirls as a background character now. Holy shit. Yeah, fucking Sonic Fox is awesome. He's one of the few things I do know. One of the few people I do know from the, uh, the fighting. Yeah, Sonic Fox, they're a, they're a cool guy. And uh, they've, um, I've, whilst I have followed them, and this is accidentally another bit of follow up that I've just remembered, is furries. A lot of furries getting a lot of represented recently. And uh, unfortunately, this is also on my feed because Sonic Fox, that, that person, they're, they're horny on main. That's a lot of pornography <laughs> that I would not have otherwise have had to see. You're welcome for it. Uh-huh. You're a better person. I'm, uh, yeah, more rounded off. I'm more tolerant. Skullgirls is a good game, and you should play it. And uh, I, I don't know if Sonic Fox is going in for EVO this year on Skullgirls, but if they are, then uh, they're my pick. Just right. I mean, they're the best player in the world, <laughs> according to themselves. Uh-huh. They're the best at uh, Dragon Ball and I think MK as well. Looking forward to it in any case. All right, I'm back. Yeah, that's all right. I took a, an opportunity to read that article a little more thoroughly now that I've just done bashing it and uh uh-huh. oh yeah yeah no, i'm pretty happy with what's been said <laughs> that's all right at that point it looks like it's going to curve into some sort of uh rationality and yes it does it, it like it has a, a few things to say about like shooters for shooters sake and marketability and shit like that oh, and just like, what, was this the ludo narrative dissonance guy I don't believe so. I'm not entirely sure. I, you know what? I think this. I think this was the same guy. I read. I think I remember there being a debacle at the time about this article about how he was saying that, like, oh, the violence is like completely at odds with like the social, like, yeah, this was the same guy. I think because there's another like, guy that even this guy mentions on Polygon uh, who also wrote a similar op-ed about how the violence limits the inclusion of his wife. But maybe, maybe this is the one. <laughs> yes, I think this is the article that I remember hearing about. About how uh, I think the, the late Total Biscuit did a rebuttal of it. It's like how ludo narrative dissonance was like the the hot new buzz term that journalists were using in order to make themselves sound clever. If only I had been smart enough to use that in the actual conversations. <laughs> With cool total biscuit uh, references and and ludo narrative uh, dissonance references of the time. Uh, that's all right. We can just uh, awkwardly edit it in in post. Yeah, perfect. We'll we'll, we'll I'll, I'll slide that in at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs>